Welcome back, team, to another episode of Beautiful Dust Specs, a podcast designed to teach you that the ordinary is truly extraordinary. I'm your host, Alex Hofeld. You bring the curiosity. I'll bring the science. Let's do this. Hello again, friends. Welcome back to Beautiful Dust Specs. So it's spring break, and I'm a high school science teacher, which is quite the epic and quite the gut-wrenching job that is. Sometimes it sucks my soul out of my ears, and other times it fills me up with joy. But for now, it's spring break. So my spring break is not crazy. I'm here waiting for my girlfriend to get off of work, and we're going to go do some hot yoga and chill and relax. But I'm staring at my lake, and I'm enjoying life, and we're cruising here. My intention was to get some podcasts recorded throughout these. But the challenge is, since I don't have a team of people, is I have to sometimes, I have to sometimes, I have to do a lot of research for them. I have to plan them. And that, that becomes challenging here and there. But this time, this this go around, I got this amazing email from Shay Brown. And they reached out to me and just was, again, explaining these ideas and things that they enjoyed with the show, which it's always so wonderful to hear feedback. And just to get some communication with the people that are listening to the show. That's awesome, guys. That's why we do this. That's why this creative endeavor is out there to perpetuate and personify these awesome ideas that we're thinking, feeling and experiencing. And the emails fill me with such joy because they always come back to these ideas of the feels they get these ideas going and it's they they most people respond that they enjoy the science and the knowledge and my energy and all that stuff which i get a 50 50 energy on some people love my enthusiasm and fast talking thinking feeling ideas and others like slow down bro i can't decide i kind of enjoy the fastness that's just the way my brain works and this is my show so deal with it son but the people who give me feedback usually the emails i get always come back to these ideas of the emotions of science and i call it the feels the feels of the world around us and that's wonderful. And that's what I'm really going after. And that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going in life. And that's what keeps me going in learning and thinking and just being me. I live a pretty unique life. I strive to live a unique life. I want to be dynamic. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to be thoughts. I want to be feelings. I want to be the things that I want to be. I want to be a renaissance man. We grow up with these little pigeonholes. We grow up with these little tiny square peg round hole philosophies that we're supposed to be a certain way that we're supposed to be. Be whoever you want to be as long as that being is doing good for the world is doing good and not create, you know, just just try and create better tomorrows, right? That's what we're out here for. We're trying to create a better tomorrow. And getting back to the feel of this, this idea that most people enjoy the episodes on emotions and thoughts and experiences. And that's what this show is. If you're wondering and you want to get to know me a little bit, you're experiencing and getting to come along for the ride as I try and understand this thing, this thing that we call life, this epic, crazy, wild journey that is the thing that I'm going to call Alex Hofeld that will hopefully live for as long as humanly possible, which is being extended all the time. I recently heard that some are theorizing that we may have already had the human being that is going to live to be like 180 and stuff. That'd be pretty cool. I always talk about that. People are like, what if you want to be immortal and have all this? What? And they're like, no, life is precious. I'm thinking like, nah, man, I feel like I could find some pretty great stuff. Think about that. I mean, could you explore the world? Could you explore everything? What if the greatest minds of the of, of the scientific revolutions, what if the greatest human endeavor, human achievements that were out there, those thinkers of the world, the Newtons, the Einsteins could live forever? What could they experience? Experience, given the time, the effort, and the, the know-how. But I'm diverting here a little bit. So this episode is coming to me, and I'm just kind of turning on the mic and seeing where it takes me, because I'm coming back to these ideas of feels. And 
believe it or not, if you understand what this thing is, and I'm sure people don't, you know, always enjoy it. I'm not the most religious human being on the planet. I just never really have been early on. Honestly, when I found out that the the ideologies that I was learning on Sunday did not link up with the ideologies I was learning the rest of the week in my science textbook, being raised by a scientific dad who was religious, who I think believed still is religious, he, he, was, he was a science dude. And we always learn science. And one day he told me that theology and science don't always link up. And it didn't make sense to me. If it makes sense to you, more power to you. I'm not I'm not judging you whatsoever. This is just trying to give you a little insight into what I'm feeling here. However, the cool thing is, the real awesomeness, and I'm trying very hard in my older life, and I have was not like this always. I was not like this when I was younger. I was very close-minded to this. If I'm discussing and talking with someone who has a theological perspective on the universe, I enjoy listening to what they have to say. Sometimes we get into a good discussion. We change each other's mindset for the better. Other times, it's just, you know, two immovable objects just having and sharing space, which is awesome, which is great in itself. However, However, when people get really emotional about their theological ideas, i.e. God or whatever it may be, it's really neat and I really enjoy watching their demeanor, their body language, their feelings, their emotions express their ideas and their thoughts and their feelings of their religious experiences. I have yet to have one of those, but I have those quite often when it comes to science, when I understand nature, when I understand reality, when I understand the way, and you know, reality, I'm not using making that, make. I don't want that word to sound condescending in this context, but the reality of nature, right? That nature is the way that nature is. The tenets of science, that science goes through and looks at the world through the lens of trying to understand, knowing that they don't understand. You know, these ideas that are sometimes held against us scientists that we don't know something and that therefore hinders and downgrades what we're doing. The don't knowing is what's so epic, what's so awesome. And when you get into science, we've talked about this. Science is a feel. Science is a philosophy. Science and philosophy are the first ideas, but all of it comes full circle. All of this sits and stands and integrates together because we're these tiny little human beings. These epic little specks that are sitting on this tiny little earth going around this tiny little sun as part of a tiny little galaxy, possibly as a part of a tiny little universe. And however it may be, however it may have rolled around or came around, these ideas just are all so intertwined and so interconnected in such a poetic, such a gorgeous, such a symphonic epic way that is very difficult even to comprehend to the point where I think people don't try and comprehend it. And when we look at these things, we look at the topics we've discussed. I've been kind of on a sun rant and a light and an energy rant as we get going here because I've been teaching stars and astronomy. My class, I teach astronomy and biology, and my astronomy class is what keeps me going. I love bio. I have the degree. I got a bachelor's in it, but astronomy is really what just gets me jazzed because the two things just totally integrate. The macro world, the biggest world we can comprehend of the cosmos, of the stars, the systems, of, 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 the, of the space around us, of the universe, are huge. But they're totally us. They are us. We, it, we, it all, it's all the same thing. So we go back in time from the beginning of the Big Bang and all time, matter, energy, and space comes out of this point of infinite singularity. Yes, it's a theory. Yes, it cannot be totally validated if ever, but unless like extreme, like universal inflation theories one day become validated. But when you talk about the scientists of this, when you talk about the thinkers of the world, they acknowledge that this may not ever be, but they don't use it as a downgrade. They use it as an epicness. They use it as something, I use the word epic too much, sorry. They use it as this beautiful thing to look at the universe. And one of the, their, Jenna Levine had a video on one of my one of my curriculums called The Big History Project. One of those videos, she was talking about how not only do we not have the answers, we as scientists, as a human race, don't even have, we don't even know if we have the questions yet to ask to look for the answers. Like we don't even have the question to ask to find the answer that we're going after. And that's awesome. That, that leaves so much. And that seems crazy and seems silly for us as a human being, but We've been here for so little, such a little time. So, 
that the, the ideas of time can really drive home some of these concepts. The fact that we don't know these things that we know, don't use that against the world. Don't use that against these ideas of knowledge and understanding of nature because we're such a tiny species. Scientifically, not theologically, you know, we've been here for a absolute infinitesimally tiny fraction of the earth let alone the fraction of the universe and we've experienced and understood so much you know we've split the atom we've gone to the moon we have the audacity to come up with these amazing theories to understand and discover that the the world does not work in this kind of cattywampus crazy chaotic way it does but overall it follows these systems it follows these major overarching theological understandings of things between relativity which is the really big general and special and then the teeny tiny, the little quantum. But regardless of the theories and how they can't quite interact, we don't have a grand unification theory. We don't have the theory of everything yet. We have this life and we have this feeling. We have these emotions and we track this now. And when you look at astronomy, astronomy and biology integrates so together. They all integrate together. You cannot separate physics, chemistry, and biology together. You can't. If I ever have the money and if anyone is out there and ever wants to fund this and get this off the ground, I'm just one little man. I'd be the, I'd be the guy you know, we need to teach science as science. We don't need to teach science anymore. I don't think we need to do it anymore as chemistry, biology, and physics. We shouldn't get those specialized degrees. Eh, you need those specialized degrees. Maybe that'd be graduate school. But that's like get BAs. Let's get high school diplomas and high school educations to just integrate science one, two, three, four, to see and touch and feel how these things all interact. And that's where we change the world, in my opinion. That's where we'd get the next generations of people to have these mindsets that you, me, and us are doing. Because, you know, if you're listening to this, you have, you probably have a curious mind. You have this thirst for knowledge, this yearning and longing for an understanding of trying to find your place and find your rhythm and find your mindfulness and find your motivation to be whatever the thing is that you want to be in this given day. But the grand scales of this and what I hope some of my students one day get to experience if they go into the sciences, and I share this with them all the time, is that you, when you get these big epiphanies, when you get these big, honestly, from what I understand with other people, it sounds like almost a religious experience for me. Mine took place many different different times in life, but the one that really sticks out the most is when I was sitting in the back of genetics, my, I don't my, I think it was my last semester or two of college, taking all these science classes, crushing through genetics, which crushed me because I don't have the best math background. And I don't remember the topic. I don't remember what it was, what we were doing. What it, I just remember being in the back left corner wearing my red favorite DC hat. And all of a sudden, something was said by Dr. Meager that just drove home this idea that it was all connected. That everything that I have learned throughout the entire expansion of my education and my understandings of, you know, going through step by step, class for class, as a student, just going from that class is done on to the next, that test is done on to the next. I took this second and just this wash of epic, of crazy warmth, of, of, of feeling of tingles of knowledge just kind of overwhelmed my senses and I just understood that everything that I've learned my entire life from the dawn of my life to that day to with my dad with science with books with grade school high school college and beyond all of these things were coming together to show and get me to experience that this world is so interconnected and when you see the interconnections of it it doesn't nationalize you it doesn't make you us versus them it doesn't make you this you know we are this grander thing than the cosmos than the earth it shows and lets us feel and experience that we are the wonder that is the wonder, that we have the ability to wonder, that all of these systems that work together are you, me, and us. If you glance out your window, take a second, you know, you're driving, you're running, you're doing whatever, and just look around you, the materials of the world 
exist because those materials exist and they integrate together and they co-accrete and condense and coalesce to form up these various things. The natural materials of the world are all around us and they've been on this journey. We've discussed the journey. We've discussed how they came out of the Big Bang, how they then were able to condense and compress using these magical fundamental forces of nature to be able to change and create Legos, to build bigger and bigger Legos. It's one of my favorite analogies I do in class. Picture a box of Legos. You have the one block, that singular block. I could give you an entire, I could give you an infinite supply of those singular blocks. What could you build? You could build towers. You could build really, really big towers. You could build towers. You need more of the knobs. You need more of the connections. You need a two by two block. I give you a two block with the one blocks. Now you can build structures that can design, can compress, can spin, can adapt. I give you four, six, eight, beyond. You can then create a city. You can create a Millennium Falcon. You can create whatever you want. The Legos, if you gave a kid just the one blocks, could imagination persist? Yes. Could they create things? Yes. Could they create complex things? Maybe not. They would not. They need the Legos to smush. They need the Legos to grow and adapt. You need the fundamental Lego, the fundamental particle of the universe itself to change. And we have this. We have Lego builders. The Lego builders in our cosmos are those twinkly little lights, this beautiful thing that you look up in a dark sky and you feel a connection to. You feel this inter intertwining. You know, these tiny little twinkles surrounded by infinite blackness. Those are the crucibles of creation. Those are the things that over millennia, over eons, billions of years, were able to seed the cosmos with bigger Legos. And just so happened that as these Legos changed and blew out, and as this cycle of stellar life like us continues onward, just like you, me, and us, when a star is born, it's one second closer to death. From the initial point of you being birthed, boom, fertilization, you are in essence moving towards the end of this energy ball, of this little tiny borrowed time that we get to have. But our energies will persist. Our energy, our, I'm sorry, our energy and our atoms will continue onwards forever. The energy and atoms in the cosmos cannot be created nor destroyed. They can only be transferred. You, you are the transfer. You are what your energy and matter is personifying at this little blip, at this little eon. You take an entire lifetime of a human, it's, it, 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 it's in, you can't comprehend how small that time scale is. But the smaller that gets, the smaller we get, the smaller us gets, the more grand this thing feels. So take a second to appreciate this. Take a second to appreciate the fact that you get to be this thing, this walking, talking, thinking, feeling thing of borrowed star matter, of borrowed star energy. We live outside. Go outside and take a deep breath. You don't have to go outside. Just take a deep breath right now. Inside that air is all of the particles that exist to build a human, this complex structure. You know, we again exist in this world, this ecosystem, this ecology of things that have changed over millennia. If we just take the, if the earth, if like the earth itself, just the 4.5 billion year history that is this planet was the universe itself, to my mind, that would be enough. That would be enough of an awe. That would be enough of a wonder to get me to be a, a, a thinking person, a, a curious, intelligent mind for as as long as I could possibly comprehend my existence. And we get to have that. You know, we just happen to be the winners of evolution. We just happen to have this tiny little ability to have the molecules that get this, get this up. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm ranting here. I, I, I want to be, it's very difficult for my brain to comprehend all this when I get going on it. I love thinking about this. So we exist as this ball of atoms, and atoms, a ball of atoms that can manipulate energy, that can store energy. And the reason you do this, the reason you are this, is because somehow, some way, shape, or form, the cosmos 
formed up the atoms, right, from the singularity. In one second, we had the nuclei. 380,000 years after that, finally, the universe cools down enough to form up the first hydrogen and helium. And that W map from the Biceps 2 telescope allows us to just see and understand that there was these tiny little densities. Those densities, they were able to interact. The density meant there was more mass, more gas. More gas meant more gravity. That would snowball, would compress, condense until these massive epic stars were able to birth and be born into these huge fusion reactors that are able to literally create more Legos. And you understand equals MC squared. If that, that tells you that if you convert a little bit of matter, you release copious amounts of energy because I can't get into it too, yet, too much yet, but... You know, these ideas that these three things interact, those three little letters and a, and, a, and a numerical exponent, allow us to see that this would work. And now this energy does a hundred different things. The energy literally smushes the Legos, takes the smallest, most fundamental 75% of the cosmo hydrogen and converts to helium, the helium to carbon and nitrogen, oxygen, all the way up, all the way up to iron. But then that wouldn't be enough. That would not be enough to build the world that you're seeing right now. Yes, it gives you all of the wonderful fundamental particles that could build a human being, but this world of materials, this world of elemental imagination that is this 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 amazing advanced world that we live in needs these bigger elements you know we have the iron the iron in the blood of you the iron in the core of our planet are all from the crucibles of stars and over time these elements compress condense explode expand and in the supernova chaos creates the other hundred or so elements that are out there seeds the cosmos with the building blocks that allow the things of the world to be built and over time 4.5 billion years ago this star compresses 93 million miles away, this tiny little planet that is not uptaken by the sun or Jupiter just happens to fall into this Goldilocks zone and seals itself, puts the lid on the Lego box, allowing itself, however, to be a clear Lego box and be open to energy. And very rapidly, almost instantly, you know, relative to the rest of it, very quickly, life appears on this planet. And somehow, some way, shape, or form, these macromolecules, the proteins, the lipids, the carbohydrates, and the nucleic acids are able to form up into these beautiful relationships. You know, we talked about endosymbiosis symbiosis, this, this theory that the randomness of two little itty-bitty, tiny itty-bitty bacteriums are able to compress and condense down. And that sets down in motion these ideas of photosynthesis and cellular respiration with the chloroplast and the mitochondria. And this is what allows for to be the bedrock, the, the canvas for the story that is us. And now evolution unfolds before our various eyes, the chaos, the wonder, the awe of the losers and the winners, and the tiny little changes, little tiny variations in things, little mutations that take place at random that allow for the world to do what the world is going to do. And this puts in motion all these different series of events. And this gets us thinking and feeling and being and existing as this life that we are right now. A life that is our life, that is the things that we get to be, the experiences we get to experience. Take a second now to try and comprehend that, that the elements that made us were formed in the cores of stars, these beautiful, huge things in a universe that is bigger than you could ever, ever possibly imagine. Yet you can imagine somehow, some way, shape or form, the elemental particles that are you, the fundamental building blocks that make us up, formed up into these beautiful strings of nucleic acids that we get to call DNA, that some somehow are able to decode. It's the code that allows for these magical little molecules of amino acids to form up. Only 20 of them. It's all it takes. 20 amino acids, given the instructions of DNA, put into the machinery of a cell, can create a human being, can create you, can create me, can create this life. 
And you look at it from a human perspective, this DNA that somehow is us, that is the homo sapien, that is this thing that fundamentally fundamentally is not that impressive in essence, right? The ideas of the elements and the atoms and the energy that we can compress and the idea that we can eat and move and do all this is cool. That's wonderful. But there's 35 million species on the planet that can do that. Of all those species today, 99% more, 99% of all species have been ridden to extinction. So the fact that we exist as a species is awesome. But the fact that we exist as this human species, this thing that is the, what I personify right now, you know, somebody that can manipulate language and give my imagination to the world. I can take what's in my mind and throw it into this microphone and share it with the world, a communicated world, a connected world. We are the species. We are the universe's way of understanding itself. In all the cosmos, all the world, life is beautiful. Life is wonderful. Watch planet Earth. Watch a documentary. See pictures. See the cosmos as it exists. See the universe in reality. It's beautiful. But know that what makes it incredibly special is that you are the thing that can personify this, that you can create the word beauty. We live in a world that is imagination. We live in a magical land. Everything you see that is not a naturally made substance, somehow, some way, shape, or form was compressed and was created in the imagination of somebody. But that would just be imagination. You know, maybe our dogs imagine, maybe our animals, the other, the plants, the fungi, all the other things of the world imagine. We were the ones that were able to split the atom. We were the ones who were able to go to the moon. We were able to ones to understand and see that the universe is this, 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 this sharing of elements. And that's a beautiful thing to think on. The material world around us, the, the, the idea that it bends light, reflects light, compresses, compre bends, flexes, you know, all the understanding of material sciences is just us understanding the fundamental elements. There's only a hundred of them, roughly a hundred elements. Look at a periodic table and understand that those are the elements that create everything. And if you think of it creating everything, those are the elements that create love, create hope, create longing, create dreams, create sadness, create, you know, murder, whatever, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, trying to get the, the full spectrum here. Those are the atoms that if put correctly, create something, create a lightning rod of curiosity, create a lightning rod of imagination, create a dream creator that is the human body, that is the human experience. Those elements have been on a journey 13.7 billion years ago, starting to just go down and scientifically just a crazy story unfolds. You know, this beautiful tale, this beautiful epic origin story, I think the grandest story ever told. That's what science is to me. Science is Harry Potter. Science is a story. Science is our way of understanding this. And Science and the story and the difference between theology and science go hand in hand. They are us. They manifest from human beings being a creature that can imagine questions, that can come up with the big asks, can think of ways to ask the cosmos to explain itself to it, can dive deep, can probe, can use imagination to have thought experiments. General relativity from Einstein was simply just a profound thought that space itself was not space, that it wasn't just, just nothingness, that it was something. It was ethereal. It was it was malleable. It was changeable. You know, Bohr came up with the idea that electrons jump from place to place in quantum leaps and came to these realizations that the electron can share, can go through. And we look at that and we see these things and we get to be this and we get to experience this life, this now, this world of abundance. You know, food is right, readily available at our fingertips, stuff that we can put into our face that is us. It synthesizes. It, comp it, it becomes what we are. It builds us. It shares with us.
We put certain amounts of food, certain amounts of molecule. I mean, little things. You have a planet surrounded by dirt. You can put a seed in there and literally food will pop up. Literally building blocks. Those building blocks of you, of me, of us, of this life, we can manipulate them. We can use them. We can share them. We can get the understanding. We can think about them. We can think about thinking. And we can use these atoms to create the stuff that we want to create. And yes, this is ranty, but that is life, man. Life is ranty. Life goes in all different directions. You get to sit here, this metabolic machine, a interstellar ball of star debris. That's what you are. You are uh, trillions, hundreds of trillions of cells, and you are made of trillions upon trillions of atoms. I don't even know if it's trillions. It's like one to the it's like one to the eightieth, or no, one to the eighteenth, or something. You know, major amounts of atoms in this machine, and we take humans, and we we humans think we are incredibly special because we are, but we get big. We have these egos that just go out there, and then we understand, and we can build anything, and change anything, and make money, and do all this stuff. The machine that allows you to make these machines, this machine that allows you to dream, to synthesize your dreams, to make your dreams, to dream beyond upwards and forever, is a machine that we can't we can't recreate. Nature itself created the best machinery out there. And that's you and us, man. We are a part of this cosmos. The cosmos is us. It is in us. It made the fundamental building blocks that made the structures that made us. And now you get to sit and be a part of this. You get to stand. You get to walk. You get to run. You get to skip. You get to hop. You get to move, man. You get to move. You get to think. You get to feel. You get to do all these things. You get to learn. You get to use a neuroplastic mind, a brain that can manipulate, a nervous system that can manipulate. Your mind can learn what it wants to learn. You just have to give it the knowledge thought. Your body can move the way it wants to move. You just have to put it in the right positions. That's all we have to do. We have to go through this world and take care of it. And we lose sight of this sometimes. We get bogged down in the ether. We get bogged down in the noise that we get to be this machine made of trillions of parts that is the byproduct of countless deaths, countless destructions, countless losers on the evolutionary standpoint. But just so happens, some way, shape, or form, this tiny little collection of mutations, the tiny little collection of mutations that won the evolutionary game, compressed down and condensed down. And then over eons upon eons, this evolution of humans evolves, society evolves, changes evolve, medicine evolves, science, technology, engineering, mathematics evolve, and just somehow, some way, shape, or form, two little parents meet up, a mom and a, a, mom and a dad meet up and form up this infinite, improbable thing that gets to be the thing that is you. Not humans. I'm talking you, Alex, Mike, Sarah, Susie, Billy, whoever. The improbability that you are you is is zero. One times ten to the one times ten to the two million six hundred eighty-five thousand, and that is not even taking into account cosmic cosmic arrays of of crazy probability. You know that number I don't think is comprehensible on the true scale of what it took to create the thing that gets to be the thing you call you. And that's what this is all about. That's there. There's even more to talk about. I could continue onwards and continue to keep going on this because that's what we get to experience. We get to feel this. So if you've been listening to the show or are new to the show or a part of the show or want to, you know, want to want to start your own show, whatever, man, if you get to be this, just make sure you're internalizing this. Make sure that you're taking all of this knowledge and bring it back to that feel. Bring it back to what was missing from your high school education. Knowledge, vocabulary, worksheets. Did you get the right answer on the test? That's all beautiful. That's all great. You need that because that's how our society functions as it sits right now. But are you internalizing the feel? Why am I going to learn this in life? Why would I need this in life? You need 
need this in life because this is life. You need this because this allows you to find that motivation, find those little untapped resources. Does this podcast terrify me every time I do it? Yes. Have I almost wanted to quit this thing many different times? Yes. Am I worried about new download numbers? And do I want this to be my, is my dream for this to be something? Do I want to be a scientific communicator? Yeah. And sometimes I get bogged down in that, but I got to come back to this. I got to remember that this is me, that I get this gift, my little gift. One of my gifts is speaking, man. You know, like this idea that I can attempt to share the knowledge of what's inside my mind with you and resonate and create a ball of curiosity, the snowballing effect of curious humans personifying this grand experience that is life. And we get to go out and we get to experience it. Yes, did Trump get elected? Yes, or there's these various things that are going on in our life right now that, sorry, that was sidebar, that are getting us bogged down in in the noise. Yeah. But just understand that regardless what happens today, tomorrow, the next day, you're going to wake up a ball of star debris and you're going to eat food and you're going to go out food that is cold storage of biological energy that has been passed down through the ecological systems, resonating, generating in the core of a massive star, a huge ball of stellar plasma that creates fusion at its core, takes hydrogen, smashes it into helium. And the byproduct of this conversion of matter is this tiny little photon that rains down on this planet. Copious you know, just covering the planet in this and the world of the green, tiny little plants, little protista, little bacterium, little tiny things inside of us are able to take that, turn it into sugar. That sugar can be shared, can be thrown throughout the material world around us of atoms. These, you know, a world of creatures that are tiny, that are, that are, that exist because of the sharing of electrons and these shared electrons share the energy and it pinnacles as you go to Jewel, as you go to Costco or Whole Foods, you pull in that. So remember that when you're talking about your food, when you're talking about your nutrition, your health, your wellness. You're taking a care of the greatest machine nature has ever created. This machine that must be taken care of. Because when you put that food in your system, that is the cold storage. That is the fuel not for your car to go from A to Z. Yes, it'll point it'll it is the fuel to get you to go from A to Z. It's the fuel that needs to be given. Right now, I am taking my energy and throwing it into the microphone. The energy I am sharing my imagination by transferring starlight into sound period. And that's what we get to do. Put the food in your system that resonates with your body. Put your food in your system and go out and experience, you know, get a little endorphin going. Get those neurochemical things that everyone loves, the oxytocin, the, you know, all these uh, serotonin, uh, dopamine, these wonderful neurological chemicals that allow you to flood your entire system that this machine of trillions of working parts can then experience something that feels like happiness, can feels like wonder, can feel like dreams. Go through the hardship sometime. Put your body into a, into, into a position of sweat, of anxiety, of, of intensity through CrossFit, through yoga, through fitness, through whatever, and then come back and experience it. Look what my body can do. Look, my body can adapt to that and correspond to that. We are a malleable ball of clay. The universe has given us all of the fundamental things that we need, all the feels that are required to be the stuff that we are, and we now get to use it. We get to manipulate it. We get to see and experience this world around us because we're going to be here for a tiny little blip of existence, my homies. You get to be a ball of star debris energized by starlight for a tiny little bit of thing. So I want to be a star. I want to shine bright and I want to radiate love. I want to radiate hope. I want to radiate dreams and loving and awesomeness. I want to live a dynamic life. I want my body to be able to touch my toes. I want to be able to do gymnastics, CrossFit, weightlifting. I want to be able to hit a golf ball 330 yards. I want to be able to ride my mountain bike. I want to be able to sit. I want to be able to sit and play video games. I want to be able to hug somebody, kiss somebody, be happy, be healthy, share a high five. I want to listen to knowledge. I want to experience art. I want to resonate with music. 
I want all of these experiences of life to come into play, and I'm going to fuel that system. I'm going to fuel that life with happy living, with healthy living, and I'm going to continue to be curious. I'm going to continue to think, and I'm going to continue to spit science to the masses here as we go out and embark on this awesome journey that is the human endeavor, that is you, that is me, that is us, that is this beautiful dust spec life. You're a beautiful dust spec. This is a beautiful life. I hope you have a wonderful week, everybody. Peace. All right, you beautiful people. That was a little ranty of an episode. Sorry, I was just feeling it. I was researching another show. I'm like, man, I just want to turn on this mic and just make it happen. Again, let's help each other. And hopefully this is helping you in some way or form in, in your life. It's making a positive impact on you. Let's continue to share that with the people. Give this world, give this, give this knowledge, give these these episodes a share with people around you. Share it on your social medias. Uh, let people know what's up. Just talk about it, you know, and talk about it with me. I'd love to hear from you. If you can email me at beautifuldustbecks at gmail.com, even with a couple sentences, it wouldn't take you long. It will fill me up with joy. It'll fill my stellar energy up to the to the utmost. I guarantee I'll respond to you and we can have a cool little conversation. You can maybe be a part of the show. You can give me some Freestyle Friday words. You can give me a topic that'll that you'd like to hear on. You know, whatever. And again, if you got if you got even extra time, leave me a rate and review on iTunes. That always helps out. Let me know if you rated and reviewed because I'd love to know who the review came from. And that's beautiful, guys. Loving the show. Loving you guys. All my listeners out there. Thank you so much for doing this. It's roughly 55 episodes in, and you guys are all my favorite. So have a beautiful dustbag day, my friends, and peace out.